Hello everybody, Sam here. Just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and the ICU Facebook page, we could really use your support. Every share and positive review helps us out enormously. But you can go even further than that, if you like, by signing up to our Patreon. You can join Club ISY from just £2 plus VAT a month, and in return, you'll get early access to every single story and podcast. And you can even earn exclusive content like compilation episodes and ICU stories that you won't find anywhere else. And if you don't fancy paying monthly, you can now sign up on an annual basis and save 10% on the cost of your subscription. Your support is the only thing keeping this endeavour going, so if you're enjoying the page and show, do please consider signing up at patreon.com slash stories. As always, I'm eternally grateful for all of your support, and I hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Michelle Barnier warns there are just a few hours left for Britain and the EU to reach an agreement on a trade deal, but thankfully he seems to mean the last few hours of Groundhog Day. Last-minute plans for mass testing in schools infuriate teachers, as the government now expects them to influence young minds directly by accidentally piercing them with a cotton swab. The Electoral College officially confirms that Joe Biden will be the next President of the United States, meaning that this is now the 57th time this year that he's clearly won the election. And finally, Pretty Patel says she will not be seeing many members of her own family over Christmas, as they are currently hiding from her to avoid being deported. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. I bet you thought you'd finished for the holidays, but hold up there, you festive fuck. Here's a mass testing programme we expect you to implement for yourself the moment you get back to work. Happy holidays! It might not be a white Christmas, but at least the pay freeze will feel nice and cold. We open the show tonight with an apology. We were really hoping to get a full and conclusive answer to whether or not the UK had achieved a trade deal with the EU before we started winding down for the holidays. Instead, the talks have been dragging themselves out and limping ever onwards, like a mangled dog that really should just be put out of its misery. We might not be able to give you a definitive glimpse into Britain's future, but what we can certainly do instead is follow the lead of every other mainstream media outlet by hysterically discussing it over and over until the entire country falls down the rift it's generated in our national psyche and smashes its brains out on the rocks below. As negotiations with the EU go so close down to the wire that we've had to bring in yet another, even smaller wire, there's only one way to solve this acrimonious debate, and that's with another acrimonious debate, right here in the studio. That's right, we're bringing back Fighting Talk. Partisan rubbish designed to generate outrage, leading to clicks and advertising revenue. Joining me for today's Fighting Talk is our correspondent Alison June-Smith, who voted Remain, and a middle-aged white man named David, who comments on each and every BBC Have Your Say section under the username 3lions66, who voted to leave. Now remember everyone, this is to be a lively but civilised debate, aimed definitively at finding constructive common ground, rather than exploiting and exacerbating partisan ideological rifts in the pursuit of higher ratings. 
That sounds great to me, Sam. Thanks for having me. Brexit, sovereignty, WTR rules, arr, arr. What the fuck? Alison, I'll come to you first. It's been another long week in this endless saga, but there has been some progress reported in these talks. What's your take on that? Sam, I think we're seeing a marked difference in the rhetoric coming from the EU side of these negotiations. Big gaps between the UK and European Union's mutual positions still remain, though, particularly on fishing rights and EU access to British waters. But it's important to remember that the fact these talks are still ongoing is a good sign. There's bound to be some chest-thumping from the British side about sovereignty, but there's still a chance common sense will prevail. After all, sovereignty isn't a concrete concept, and any trade deal, no matter how big and small, will make demands of its partners. Concessions and compromises are made all the time in negotiations like these. The problem is just how much face Boris Johnson feels he needs to save when making them. Thanks for that, Alison. David, what's your opinion on the current state of the talks? Brexit! Sovereignty! Singapore! Tariffs! That's a really interesting point. Alison, would you care to respond to that? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm really not sure what you're asking me to respond to. Well, David's point about fishing quotas and the importance of Britain's ability to assert its post-EU position as a sovereign nation. Uh, right. Um, I didn't really hear his point, to be honest. Brexit! Sovereignty! I mean, seriously, he's just shouting Brexit and sovereignty over and over again. Brexit, WTF rules EU army, dictators! Whoa, 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 Alison, there's really no need to be that patronising, you know. David's come here in the spirit of honest intellectual debate. Singapore! What the fuck is going on? Let's just move on, shall we? And I'd like to remind our guests that this isn't about being confrontational or responding with emotion over logic or generating short clips of furious video content that drives traffic to a website. This is about the sanctity of debate. Alison, on the sticking point of the level playing field between the EU and Britain, there's been some positivity there, hasn't there? Yes, and it appears that some common ground has been found on how disputes over fair competition rules may be settled between the two sides moving forward. That was always going to be important for the EU, who have stated from day one that they would never accept a relationship with Britain that undermined the integrity of the single market. It sounds like you're implying that the UK may have capitulated on that front then. David, what's your response to that? Brexit! Oh, traitor cunt! Sovereignty! Towerlander! Fucking excuse me? Alison, please, that sort of foul language is hardly appropriate. I think David's point about the arbitration process was a perfectly valid one. What the hell, man? He's barely using words! You know what? If you're not going to engage with this process in a civilised manner, we should probably just end things there. Honestly, Alison, I expected more of you. (laughs) Behead the cunt! Oh my god! Brexit! David, that's very noble of you. You're a better man than I. Maybe we should try and leave this on a reasonable note. We'll try for one last question. Alison, I'll come to you first. As things currently stand, Michael Gove claims there's less than a 50% chance that a trade deal with the EU can be reached. Does that feel like a fair assessment to you? Well, Sam, I'd say to take anything Michael Gove says with a pinch of salt. 
<laughs> which is ironic because that's the one substance he can't touch without melting out of his skin. Can't say a fucking can't. Oh, oh. That is an absolutely baseless ad hominem attack, Alison, and it has no place on a proper journalistic debate show like this one. You know what? I'm muting your microphone. Why don't you mute my ass, you son of a bitch? <sighs> David, honestly, I cannot apologise enough for the complete lack of professionalism that you've been shown tonight. You came here with some perfectly cogent points and a legitimate position to argue, and you've been treated with a fundamental lack of respect. I only hope you can forgive us. Brexit! <laughs> Sunlit uplands! <laughs> That's one of the most beautiful closing statements I've ever heard. Truly, it, it brings a tear to my eye. Thank you, David. This has been Fighting Talk. Partisan rubbish designed to generate outrage, leading to clicks and advertising revenue. Fighting Talk. There's less than a week to go until Jesus Christ's big 2021st piss-up, and the whole country was looking forward to grabbing a little bit of family time back from the clutches of the pandemic. The messaging from the government for months now has seemed to suggest that such vain hopes were possible, but this week saw the utterly predictable twist that they might not have known what the fuck they were talking about. Tom King's got the keys to the dimensional gate this week, and he's gone in search of a safe celebration in the year of COVID-19. Thanks, Sam. There's less than a week to go until the big day, and after the long slog of a truly extraordinary year, millions of us Brits are desperate to feel some kind of normality this Christmas. Whether it's coming together as a family to pretend that, just for a day, that turkey isn't the shittiest meat on the planet, or simply revelling together in the rampant consumerism. Christmas is a holiday that boosts our collective spirits. It sees us through the dark winter months and reminds us of what's important. To miss out on that after such a long and brutal year feels mortally unfair. The Prime Minister, somewhere in his blustering haystack of a heart, is acutely aware of that. But this week, his government's plans for a narrow celebratory window in which to try and sneak Christmas past the pandemic came in for some harsh criticism. The British Medical Journal and the Health Service Journal issued a rare joint editorial calling on Johnson to tighten his Christmas rules rather than carrying on with his plans to allow up to three households to mix. Their language couldn't have been starker. We believe the government is about to blunder into another major error that will cost many lives. Isn't exactly beating around the bush, it's taking a flamethrower to the bush whilst hysterically screaming, Fuck you, bush! and reducing every hedgehog napping in it to a prickly cinder. The end result has been some frantic discussions between everyone's favourite oversized penis vein in human form, Michael Gove, and the leaders of the UK's devolved nations. Off the back of those, the narrative on what we should all be doing over the festive period has now shifted drastically as has some of the rules themselves in Wales and Scotland. While that might not be true for England, the rhetoric has definitely shifted. 
The close-to-normality Christmas that was promised just a few short months ago has aged like fine milk. And we're now being told that just because we can meet up, it doesn't mean the government wants us to. Any parent of a teenage girl knows this tactic all too well. England is 16 years old and wants to go to Newquay for a long weekend with her mates. You don't want to be the sort of heartless tyrant she'll rebel against, so you hand her a pack of condoms and tell her that you trust her to make good choices. You hope, desperately, that you've subconsciously nudged her into just taking a clumsy fingering. You did your bit, and at some point personal responsibility needs to kick in even though England has already conclusively proven that she's a fucking moron who does whatever she wants at the best of times. The problem with this new approach is that Boris Johnson is a man who's completely unsuited to being the bearer of bad news. He's incapable of projecting any kind of sincerity, and he's far too concerned about how taking drastic and unpopular actions reflects on him. Boris wants to be the UK's fun weekend dad, and... He thinks that's enough because it's more effort than he puts in with his own kids. There's absolutely no way Captain Brexit Funtime is going to be the man to pull the plug on Christmas, which is why he's opted to just destroy the hospitality industry instead by plunging most of the country into Tier 3 in the run-up to Christmas. Wales and Scotland are moving to strengthen their respective holiday restrictions, but it's too little too late, and the messaging is unlikely to filter downwards in time to have any meaningful effect. Look, I don't want to be the Grinch who stole Christmas any more than Boris does, but just because you can do something doesn't mean it's sensible in any way is never a statement you want to hear from the UK's chief medical officer. People end up in hospital every year for things they can do but probably shouldn't. Normally, it's a simple question of removing the offending item with a set of medical forceps. Remember, kids, if it's going up your arse, it needs to have a flared base or you're in for a bad time. If the country as a whole doesn't apply the same logic to the festive period, we're facing the same outcome, trading a short-term pleasure for some prolonged discomfort further down the line. It's almost definitely too late for the government to make drastic changes to its Christmas plans, even if it wanted to, but it didn't have to be like this. The messaging should have been clearer and firmer from the start. This mad last-minute scramble to try and strengthen the government advice is closing the stable door after the reindeer has bolted. For me, though, it's selfish of me, but I've got a way out. Just like everyone else, I didn't really fancy a crap tiny Christmas either. Not after the year we've had. So I've jumped through the dimensional gate and come here instead. This is Earth Bravo Delta Henson 12. And it's a world where absolutely nothing is going to steal my Christmas spirit. That's because it's a world where my favourite festive film of all time, The Muppets Christmas Carol, has come to life. That's right, on this earth, the Muppets are real. (laughs) And I'm hoping to get an invite to a full and proper Christmas celebration any time now. Oh, hey, um, excuse me. Why why aren't you wearing a mask? (laughs) Oh, look, it's Kermit the Frog. Oh, this is incredible. Any minute now, I expect we're going to break out into a musical number and the festivities will begin. Sir, I asked you a question. This is a busy shop and you're spinning all over that microphone. Do you think you could, um, think of other people? 
and follow the mask guidelines, please? Oh, not here as well. I was hoping for a proper Muppet Christmas, Kermit. Oh, yeah? Well, I was hoping to get through 2020 without burying Statler and Waldorf, you inconsiderate fuck. All right, fella, easy there. I was just after an invite to some proper celebrations, you know. The family round the fire, Michael Caine singing. No, dumbass, I don't know. I don't know you or where you've been. My wife's literally an overweight pig. Do you really think I'm going to risk inviting you into my home when she's got that sort of comorbidity? You fucking idiot. Honestly, some people. Put your goddamn mask on. It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you feel love. You're like, Fucking prick. Oh, oh well. <sighs> I guess it's just me, the wife, and my own kids again then. I'm Tom King, keeping things small and sensible. Reporting for IC News. Now, tis the season for some truly rampant consumerism, but this week saw the Western world catch a disturbing glimpse into the horrors of capitalism's grubby little supply chain. It appears that China's treatment of its minority Uyghur Muslim population now extends into conscription into manual labour, with thousands upon thousands of workers forcibly relocated from rural villages into enormous and closely guarded cotton farms and industrial facilities in Xinjiang province. With the area supplying up to 20% of the world's cotton, and the Chinese Communist Party doing all it can to block media access to these sites, it's time for IC News to step in and see what it can expose. Our undercover reporter Danny Sutcliffe has been in Xinjiang province for the last week, and he's been attempting to get inside the Uyghur labour camps to get a look at what's been going on. Danny, can you hear me? Hello, Sam. Yes, I can hear you. This satellite phone I've smuggled in is working wonders. Although, I do have to say, I wish I'd bagged it in something before I concealed it upon me person at the airport. Ugh, has anyone got a wet wipe? Danny, we've heard a lot over the last few years about the Chinese regime's treatment of its Uyghur population. This latest story seems to add to a horrifying saga of oppression and cultural erasure, with the Communist Party forcing thousands of people into back-breaking manual labour. What have you seen over there? Sam! I can tell you this without hesitation. I've seen nothing, pal. Everything here is unky-dory and tickety-boo. I haven't seen a single, help me, indication of anything untoward. In fact, all I've seen is the great success of the, help me, Chinese Communist Party's bold and pioneering drive to eradicate rural poverty. Help me. Ow! Fucker! Don't help me, Sam. Everything's fine. Danny, is everything all right? Absolutely, Sam. In fact, I'd even go so far as to extend me deepest thanks to my generous and benevolent Chinese hosts. They've shown me nothing but kindness and the error of my judgmental Western thinking. These enormous complexes, housing thousands of workers conscripted and, and busting from ethnic minority villages, aren't horrifying dystopian internment camps in the slightest. They thrive in economic communities with a healthy dose of political and religious readjustment thrown into boot. <laughs> Fucking help me, Sam. I'm surprised to hear that, Danny. We've seen satellite photos of enormous prison-like manufacturing centres appearing all over Xinjiang. It's difficult to get reliable information out of China, admittedly, but the Western press have heard truly horrifying accounts of the CCP's treatment of Uyghurs over the last few years. 
forced relocations, mass labour allocations, re-education and internment for perceived untrustworthiness, the list goes on. Uyghurs are finding themselves in one of these modern-day gulags for reasons as trivial as installing a phone app or simply having a relative living overseas. And these latest revelations point to what essentially amounts to slavery on an industrial scale. Western hysteria, Sam. Propaganda designed to discredit China's ambitious drive to lift hundreds of thousands of rural workers out of poverty. Help me. I'm, I'm doing it! Please, just don't tase me balls again, will ya? It stopped being fun about five zaps ago. Danny, who's that with you? Uh, nobody, Sam. Absolutely nobody. Well, you know what? I'm surprised at what you're claiming about all this. I'd have thought you, our fearless and intrepid undercover correspondent, would have at least been able to get inside one of these re-education camps to see exactly what's been going on. Oh, I've been inside one, all right, you stupid fuck. Help me! Well, good, that's progress then. But you're seriously telling me you've seen nothing that concerns you from a basic human rights perspective? I'm looking at something that concerns me right fucking now, pal! I mean, no! No, I haven't! The CCP rejects any and all suggestion that its treatment of Muslims is anything other than a perfectly reasonable drive to eliminate radicalisation. Mate, how are you not getting the fucking subtext here? Help me! Bloody hell! Actually, I think I might have come full circle here and started enjoying it again. Give it another go, will you, love? Danny, I've got to say, I'm not exactly impressed by your undercover skills this week. The CCP's atrocities at this point are myriad and well-documented. I'm absolutely baffled that you're claiming to have seen absolutely no evidence of abuse. Well, how did you think this was going to go, you daft prick? I'm from fucking Drawsden, pal. I've got curly light brown hair, for fuck's sake. I don't exactly blend into a game of Chinese guess who, do I? They rumbled me on day one. <laughs> No, sorry, love, you're going to have to try something else. I'm definitely enjoying it again. Danny, I'm starting to worry that I've misinterpreted what you've been trying to tell me. Listen to me very carefully. Do you need additional sound equipment? Oh, piss off, pal. When I get back, you and I are having words. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, reporting on behalf of the great and powerful Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> I'm telling you, love, it's just tickling now. And I should probably tell you that I'm a happily married man. <laughs> Cheeky. Danny's encouraging piece of foreign propaganda brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back on Boxing Day with a Christmas special, but until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Tom Cruise shouts at workers on the set of Mission Impossible 7 for breaching COVID guidelines, meaning that, for the first time, a man ranting in support of masks and social distancing really was the evil mouthpiece of a dangerous and thought-policing cult of corrupt financial elites. Notoriously homophobic Vice President Mike Pence gets the COVID jab on live TV, marking a drastic change from his usual policy of only taking pricks from other men in private. Jacob Rees-Mogg accuses UNICEF of playing politics by stepping in to feed British kids in poverty. If just playing at politics can feed hungry children, just imagine how much good doing it properly could achieve. And finally, Great British Bake Off judge Prue Leith also gets vaccinated against COVID-19 and thankfully escapes the potential side effect of a soggy bottom. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye.
You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, can we reach more people, and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.